0: Thank you for listening to the Christ the King Church podcast. We exist to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all of life. For more information about our church, please visit us at ctksensi.com. Good morning. All right. I am excited to be here this morning with all of you here on uh, Family Sunday. And you know what? As I'm standing here up front... Packed room, all these people around, kids all up in everybody's business, because that's what it's like to have kids in the room, right? Still can't pay someone to sit on the front row. So man, thank you guys for like taking one on the chin, sitting here on the front row. Well hey, this morning, like we said, is Family Sunday. You look around the room, there's a lot of younger faces in here that aren't usually here. And so let's do this right now. Everybody ready? Let's go ahead and set expectations to lower. Sound good? All right. This morning, we know we're working with divided attention in limited time and lots of little voices and also little minds that are here uh, to watch us and see how, uh, as adults, we engage together with the body of Jesus, which is God's family, and also in these gatherings when we study the word and sing songs of worship. So we have a really awesome opportunity here this morning, and I think we're going to have a good time, and like Ben said, we're going to be studying uh, one of Jesus' miracles here in the Bible, and so it'll be a really cool text. And so this morning, uh, I want you kids in the room, let me me talk to all the kids really quick. If you're a kid, look up here. I can't see all of you. If you're a kid, stand up on the seat that you're standing in. All right. I want to see all the kids. Everybody up. Everybody up. All right. All you kids. You hear me? How many of you guys aren't normally in the service like this? Raise your hand. Maybe if you're usually downstairs and kids. Awesome. Everybody say, welcome. welcome. All right, we are so glad you're here with us. All right, you can sit down now. And this morning, kids, I want, I want you to know, uh, we're here and we're studying the Bible together. For everyone else that's here as well, uh, we're going to land the plane kind of in their direction. So, Follow along with me. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We'll be in verses 10 through 17. In my Bible, that's page 679, if that gets you somewhere. So over the past few weeks, like like Pastor Ben said, we've been studying all these miracles that Jesus has been doing. So he's been going around and doing these big, crazy things like like calming the stormy weather while he was out on a boat with his disciples. We see him healing people who are sick. He even raised a young girl that was dead back to life. And this week, we're going to look at a really cool miracle uh, that Jesus performed where he fed 5,000 people with one person's lunch. Can you imagine that? 5,000 people with one person's lunch. I often bring my lunch in a little bag like this. Anybody else maybe does that as well. So if you could look around the room, all you kids, look around the room right now. If you can imagine your lunch that you bring to school or the school, the, the school lunch that you have, lunch you sit down and eat. I know it's summer right now, so you're not in school. But just imagine enough lunch for you to eat and look around this room. If everybody here had to share it, but not only everybody here, 20 times as many people that are here had to share your lunch. That would be kind of hard to do, wouldn't it? And that's what Jesus did. He took enough lunch for one person and fed 5,000 people. And what this miracle teaches us is that Jesus can do a lot with a little. Jesus can do a lot with a little. Let's read Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. It says this. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. In some of your Bibles, it'll say a desolate place or or something like that, like out in the middle of nowhere. That's what that means, basically. They're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And when the crowds, all the people that wanted to hear what Jesus had to say and see what he was doing, when they learned where they were, they followed them, and he welcomed them and spoke to them the kingdom of God and cured those who needed healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve, Jesus' followers, came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and the surrounding countryside to find lodging, a place to sleep, and to get provisions, something to eat. For we are here in the middle of nowhere, in a desolate place. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, we don't have enough. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and two fish, lunch enough for one person, Jesus looked up into heaven and said a blessing. He prayed over their meal. And then he broke the loaves. He started breaking up this food into little pieces and gave it to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all, everyone, ate and were satisfied. And what was left over, there was even food left over, was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. So like I said this morning, what we want to see from this text is that Jesus can do a lot with a little. And Jesus, because Jesus can do a lot with a little, I think that changes a few things for us. And so I want to talk about a few applications for what that means for our lives. I have three of them. The first one is that because Jesus can do a lot with a little, we can be confident in the power of Jesus. The second one is we can be faithful to the mission of Jesus, and we can be satisfied in the love of Jesus. So as I said before, this passage that we are studying here today is set right in the middle of a bunch of miracles, and Luke, the guy that wrote this gospel, has put all of these stories and all of these teachings together, and like I said, Jesus has been healing the sick, he's been casting out demons, and even calming the stormy weather while he and his followers were out on a boat. And each one of these miracles shows us something unique about Jesus' power. And his authority. Because what these miracles show us is that Jesus has power over everything. Jesus has power over our bodies, Jesus has power over his creation, and even the evil forces of Satan obey Jesus's commands. And the purpose of these miracles, the reason that they are in our Bible, and the reason Luke included them right here together in the gospel, the story about Jesus that he put together, is to teach us who Jesus is. That's a really important question, isn't it? Who is Jesus? Who is this guy, Jesus? Now, as we've been studying through Luke, we actually skipped the first nine verses of this chapter. But I think they give us some pretty important context or background to understand that question of who Jesus is. And I think it's going to help us understand what we're studying today. So remember, Jesus has been traveling all around with his disciples. He's preaching the gospel the good news, and they're healing all the sick around them, and Jesus is performing all of these big miracles. And in verses 1 through 6, it says that he gathers up all of his disciples, and he says, all right, you guys, keep doing the work. You guys go out on your own and keep doing the work. Keep preaching the gospel, the good news, that I, the Savior, am here, and keep healing the sick. And So they do that. Jesus sends his disciples out to do that. And apparently... Apparently, they caught a lot of attention. And that's what you would think, right? If we heard that a couple blocks over, somebody was feeding 5,000 people with one person's lunch, I think we'd all head over there, wouldn't we? We want to go see what was going on. And the disciples and Jesus had gotten a lot of attention for what they had been doing. In verses 7 through 9, it says, even the king, King Herod, took notice of what was happening. Now, maybe you've read something about King Herod before, and maybe not. Uh, But let me tell you a little bit about King Herod. Here's what's important to know. Herod was the king of Judea, the area where Jesus was right now and doing a lot of his ministry. But he was not a good guy. Okay, so Herod is not a good guy. The gospel tells us that that King Herod felt threatened by Jesus because he feared that this new king in town would overthrow him, basically take over his throne. So when Jesus was born, King Herod devised this evil plan to try to kill all the newborn males so that he could get rid of Jesus before he had a chance to take over from him. He's a bad guy. Something else he did, there was this guy named John the Baptist that we read about in the gospel who, was, who came before Jesus and told everyone that Jesus was on his way. And when John the Baptist told Herod about some sin in his life and in his heart, Herod threw him in jail and later had him killed. Again, really not a good guy. So when Herod hears about this guy named Jesus and all of these followers going around and preaching this gospel message and performing these miracles, He's suspicious and probably pretty fearful. So Herod's suspicious and probably pretty fearful. And so he asks this question, which I think is a very important one. If you look in verses seven through nine in your Bible, he asks, because he's hearing all these rumors. Is Jesus some kind of prophet like Elijah? Is Jesus John the Baptist, the guy who I beheaded? Did he raise back to life? And now he's doing all these crazy miracles? What's going on here? Who is this guy, Jesus? And he asked this question in verse 9. He says, who is this about whom I hear such things? In other words, what is going on? And who is this guy, Jesus? Now, like I said before, The reason that Luke puts this scene with King Herod right here in the middle of all these miracles that Jesus is doing is to teach us who Jesus is. And so we ask that very same question that he asked. We look at all that's going on and we say, who is this guy that even the wind and seas obey him? Who is this guy that can cast out demons? Who is this guy, Jesus, who can feed 5,000 people with one person's lunch? Herod was confused. And unlike what he might have thought, Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a new king in town that was coming to take over his throne. Jesus was the Messiah, Son of God in the flesh. God the Creator in flesh, coming to save his people from their sins. And because Jesus is God, He can perform these incredible miracles and heal the sick. Because Jesus is God, even the stormy weather obeys him. Because Jesus is God, Satan and his demons flee from him. They are afraid of him. And because Jesus is God, he can do incredible things so far beyond what we could ever imagine. And in our passage today, we see that because Jesus is God... He can do a lot with a little and feed 5,000 people with one person's lunch. Now, while this passage does teach us about the power and the greatness of Jesus, I don't want us to miss how this truth should change our lives. It's not just truth about who this guy Jesus is. It's truth that should change our lives in very practical ways. So I want us to see from this passage a very important and I hope encouraging truth that Jesus can use people like us. People like us who are on our own are small and helpless and powerless to do great things for his kingdom. Jesus can use people like us to do great things for his kingdom. So I want to walk through this passage and just quickly give those three encouragements based on this truth that Jesus can do a lot with a little. So the first one, if you're writing down, some of you kids have sermon notes, right? If you're writing it down, this is the first one. Are you ready? Because Jesus can do a lot with a little, we should be confident in the power of Jesus. Be confident in the power of Jesus. When we look at this passage of scripture right here, one of the things that are are, are compared and they, they stand out as a contrast is that Jesus is able, it contrasts Jesus' ability with the disciples' inability. He has this power and strength that the disciples just don't. They can't do what Jesus can do. Now, after the disciples had been going around and doing this ministry, it says that they withdrew from this place called Bethsaida. And like I said before, some of your Bibles will say just a desolate place. What you need to know is basically they go out to this small town in the middle of nowhere. And why is that happening? Well, we don't really get all this context in in Luke, but in Mark's gospel, one of the other four gospels, it says that the disciples were tired and hungry. Anybody else tired and hungry? The disciples were tired and hungry. Some of you parents are like, I'm mentally tired right now. But the disciples, they were tired and hungry, and they'd been working for Jesus all this time, and they just wanted to get away from the crowd for a minute so they could sit down and have a moment to eat in peace. Shout out to all you parents in the room who couldn't even go to the bathroom by yourself this week, am I right? They just wanted to get away from the crowds. In verse 11, it says, then the crowds found out where they were. Anybody else with kids is like, sometimes I try to hide and my kids find out where I am, and they follow me around. But the crowds learned where Jesus was and they follow him way out to this little town in the middle of nowhere. So Jesus continues to preach and continues to heal the sick. And in verse 12, it says that as the day went on, the disciples are looking around and they're saying, It's getting late, Jesus. we got to send these people away. we got to send them out to the towns and villages nearby so they can find a place to sleep and get something to eat. But then, plot twist, verse 13, Jesus says... You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. So, unless Jesus wanted them to go buy more food, and I don't know how many grocery stores there were out here in the middle of nowhere, unless Jesus wanted them to go buy more, all they had, they said, Jesus, we've got lunch for one person. That's all we've got. We've got lunch for one person. And in verse 14, to their surprise, Jesus says, Do it anyway. Gather them up and sit them down in different groups, and we're going to start passing out this food. And here's the important thing that I want us to see about this. When Jesus asked the disciples to feed the crowd of 5,000, they could not see past their own limitations. They couldn't see past their own inability, their own weakness And their own limitation. They started thinking through logistics. How am I gonna get this done? Jesus is asking me to feed all these people with just enough food for one person. How am I going to do this? Are we gonna give each person a teeny tiny little piece of bread and fish? It's like crumbs for everyone. There's no way that can work. Do do we run to Kroger and pick up more food for everybody? That's a long way away. How are we going to do that? Can you imagine, by the way, the fuel points you get from a meal for 5,000? Probably a lot. How on earth are we supposed to feed 5,000 people with one person's lunch? Now all of these would be good and valid questions if they weren't in the presence of Jesus, the all-powerful Son of God. He can do things that we can't. He has the power and strength and ability to do things that we could not even imagine. Unlike us and the disciples in our weakness and powerlessness and our limitations, Jesus has the power to do a lot with a little. And here's why that's important for our lives. Because when it comes to following Jesus, oftentimes we see our own limitations as being in the way of what Jesus is doing, just like the disciples. When it comes to living the life he has called us to, fighting temptation and sin, raising godly children, working through conflict with grace, sharing the gospel with our friends and neighbors, or anything else that Jesus might call us to do, often we look first to ourselves and say, I'm exhausted and tired and weak and incapable. And about that, I have some kind of good news, bad news. Are you ready? We'll start with the bad news. The bad news is that you are all of those things and more. Just like Jesus' disciples, we are incapable. We can't do the things that God calls us to do in our own power and by our own strength. You don't have it in you to do what God calls you to do. But the good news is that while you can't, Jesus can Jesus has the power to do all of these things, and he promises that power to us. Hear this. This is a crazy big truth. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same power that was able to calm the stormy weather. The same power that was able to heal the sick and cast out demons lives in us. And therefore, church, we should be confident in the power of Jesus. Not because we have anything to bring to the table. Not because we ourselves are strong. But because Jesus is powerful and his power is for you. So I just want to ask you this question to consider that for your life this morning. Are you right now trusting in Jesus' power over your own strength and power and understanding? Are you finding strength and ultimately rest and confidence in his power? I want to invite you this morning to give your burdens to him and be confident in his power to work in and through you. He can do what you can't. He can do a lot with a little the second encouragement is that because Jesus can do a lot with the little, we should be faithful to the mission of Jesus. Another big thing is you'll notice in this passage is that Jesus isn't performing these miracles by himself, right? How many of you guys have been to a sports game or watched a sports game on TV? Soccer, football, baseball, something like that, all right? So what do we notice about when you're, when you're a fan at the, at the sports? Are you playing the sport? No, you're sitting up in the seats, right? You're a spectator. You're sitting up in the seats watching everybody else do all the hard work. And in the summer months, that's probably pretty hot, sweaty, hard work, isn't it? Right? Everybody else in the stands are spectators. And Jesus isn't asking his disciples to be spectators here in this miracle. He's actually asking them to get in the game and participate. In verses 14 through 15, Jesus gives them these instructions. Have them sit down in groups of 50 each, so basically break everybody up in smaller groups. And in verse 16, Jesus prays over the meal that they will have. And in verse 17, he gives the food to to his disciples and says, all right, go, start passing out the food that you have. So I want us to see this truth. Even though it was Jesus who in his own power and strength multiplied one person's lunch, To feed 5,000 people. He chose to do that work through his disciples. What I want to suggest this morning for all of us is this passage points to a larger truth that Jesus invites his people to be a part of what he's doing. Jesus invites every single one of us here today to be a part of what he is doing. All throughout the Gospels, we see how the disciples, the followers of Jesus were with Him. They weren't sitting up in the stands like fans. No, they were on the field. They were playing the game. They were with Jesus, taking active part in what He was doing. They were taking active part in being a part of His mission to preach the good news of the Gospel to everyone. And what we see is that that's not just a story about these followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago being a part of what Jesus is doing. The Gospels tell us that as followers of Jesus today, we can be part of what Jesus is doing. Some of you guys know this passage in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We call it the Great Commission because it's when Jesus sends out all his disciples to continue his ministry. And that's true for us today today. Jesus comes to his disciples after he's died on the cross and rose from the dead. Another, the biggest miracle of all time. Jesus gathers up his disciples and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. He sends his followers out to continue his work. And I want everybody to hear this today. That's our call too, to be a part of the work that Jesus is doing. Here's why that's important for us. Jesus has a mission to see the good news of his gospel advance to the ends of the earth. Jesus wants every single person on planet earth, that's like everybody in this room times infinity, I don't know, a lot. Jesus wants every single person on earth to hear the good news of his love and grace for them. And he's inviting us to take part in seeing that happen. Just like the disciples who were brought into this incredible miracle to work alongside Jesus, we are invited not to be spectators that sit in the stands, but take active part in the mission that God is doing and be a part of his work. And here's why that's awesome, good news for us, is that God is using ordinary people like us. Nobody in this room is impressive, right? Right? I hope I didn't burst any bubbles this morning. Nobody in this room is impressive. If you're like wrangling three toddlers, you're impressive, okay? But if you're not that, not you. Nobody in this room is impressive. Every single one of us, we're just ordinary people that God chose to love and give his grace to. We didn't do anything to earn it. We don't do anything to lose it. God gives it to us because he loves us. But God is using ordinary people like us to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. And that's the good news this morning. The question for us isn't whether Jesus can do extraordinary things in our world or in our life. He can't. We've seen him do these miracles and he does many more like we see right here in these gospels. The question for us this morning is whether we will be faithful to take part. So, I'll just ask you to consider this morning. Are you being faithful to play the part that God has given you? Are you being faithful to play the part that God has given you to take part in his mission? And if you're not sure, let me just ask you to consider this. Are you using your gifts, the way God has wired and gifted you, your skills, your passions, the opportunities, relationships, your money and your time? Are you using these things towards the work that he has called you to or using those things for yourself? The invitation this morning is to be faithful to the mission of Jesus. And the last thing I want us to see this morning is to be satisfied in the love of Jesus. We should be satisfied in the love of Jesus. Just really quickly, I want us to see this truth. The last thing in this passage that I want to highlight is that Jesus and Jesus alone is able to satisfy our souls. He's able to satisfy our souls. In verse 17, after the food was passed out and everybody, all the crowd of 5,000 who ate and was full after just having the lunch of one person passed out among everybody there, it says in verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied. They were full. Anybody ever had a full belly? You know what that's like? You go into like, a, like your food, you have a food baby, right? You know? I mean, you fall asleep on the couch because you ate too much food. You know what I'm talking about? Anything? All right. Thanksgiving dinner, things like that. Everybody ate, and it says they were satisfied, and it says that there was leftovers, and what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Church, I want us to see this morning that Jesus was not only able to provide food for that crowd of 5,000 with only enough food for one person Jesus was able to do so with such abundance that there was food left to spare. And I want to kind of close with this picture that I think is really important. And you're going to have to follow me, okay? Just follow me. Now this passage, of course, I think it shows us the the incredible power of Jesus to perform these miracles. But I think it points to another truth that's kind of right beside it that I think is really important for us. Anybody ever notice that when you read the Bible or you see in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus talks a lot about food? Right? Jesus turns water into? He takes lunch for one person and turns it into food for how many? Yeah, he does that a couple times, right? Jesus is always talking about food. He's always eating. Here's just a couple examples. There's probably over a dozen in Luke alone. Here's four. Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners at Levi's house in Luke 5. Jesus eats with Simon, the tax collector, and a sinful woman in Luke 7. Jesus eats with the Pharisees in Luke chapter 11. Jesus eats with Zacchaeus, the wee little man, and the wee little man was he in Luke chapter 19. Maybe you've noticed this before and maybe not, but what's going on with all these stories about food? I think Luke must have been hungry when he was writing his gospel, right? He was like, all these things about food that Jesus ever said or did, those really are standing out to me right now. It's like they say, don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry, right? right? Don't write a gospel when you're hungry. No, that's not what's happening. I'm just kidding. Well, the early church, Christians way before us, some nearly 2,000 years ago, the early church saw all of these stories about food and specifically this story about Jesus feeding 5,000 people as an important symbol of what the Bible, or what theologians, people who study the Bible, study God, study religion, all these things, what theologians call the messianic banquet. That's kind of a big word, but I'll explain. The early church saw all of these symbols as pointing to a type of symbol of a big feast that they call the messianic banquet, and here's what I mean by that. As you might know, the Old Testament, which was written way before Jesus ever came to earth, Hundreds of years, like before it was finished, before Jesus came to earth. The Old Testament has tons of prophecies that kind of foretell the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And several of those passages describe the coming of Jesus as a banquet or a feast. God says that in the day of the Messiah, Jesus, when he comes, it'll be like a banquet or a feast. Now, maybe those words you're like, what's a banquet? What's a feast? Basically, think about it like this. In the Old Testament, it talks about the coming of Jesus as God throwing a massive party with all the food that you could ever imagine, and he invites undeserving sinners like you and me to be a part. He invites undeserving peoples like you and me to come to him and to be his guests at his feast. Now, you wouldn't invite somebody to your house that you didn't like, would you? Right? But God invites sinners like you and me to come and eat at his table because he loves us. That's exactly what Jesus did all throughout the Gospel of Luke. He broke bread or shared a meal together with sinners because he loved them and had grace for them in their sin. And church, I want to tell us this morning that the same is true for us. Jesus invites us today to sit at his table and share a meal with him, to feast at his love and mercy because he loves us. Because of our sin, we don't deserve an invitation to God's house. But the good news of the gospel is that by his grace, he welcomes us in with open arms. And the feast that Jesus invites us to is unlike anything you've ever seen. If you can picture the biggest Thanksgiving meal that you could ever imagine, it is bigger than that. It's a feast that satisfies more than our bellies. Jesus invites us to a feast that satisfies our souls. Our souls will be filled with the richness of His grace and love for us. And church, I want us to hear that this morning that invitation is for you. This morning, Jesus invites you to come to the feast and be satisfied in Jesus. Come taste the goodness of His grace and experience His wonder-working power in your life. And in all these things, church, let us be confident in the grace and work of Jesus who, as the Apostle Paul said, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or could think according to His power that is at work in us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gospel, that you invite us to your table to feast, a feast that satisfies our soul because that feast is Jesus and him in our lives and in our hearts at work in us. Father, we pray that as we read these stories of, the, of these great miracles that Jesus performed, Father, that you would, that you would make our mind, expand our minds to see how big and powerful and mighty Jesus is. But Father, don't let those just be stories that we read about in some book. Father, encourage our hearts and compel us to be a part of the work that you are doing because that power that Jesus had to do all of these things lives in us and you are working in and through us by a work of your grace. Father, we thank you for this truth and this good news of the gospel. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, amen. We are Christ the King Church. For more information about our church, please visit us at ctksnc.com.